After we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it began to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they'd waited for a long time and saw no misfortune come by him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now, in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with a fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed and putting hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly, and when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. And this is God's Word. Let us pause for another moment of prayer, ask His help to understand and obey. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we... We thank you for another Sunday, for more time together as a church family, but on your day with our Bibles open, we ask that you be our teacher, make us your students, bring to our understanding what we need to know, and Lord, would you be so kind as to give us opportunities for which to use these things, equip us for the service of of your kingdom. We ask these things for other churches as well as they do the same things. And we ask all this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Well, last week at the end of the previous chapter, chapter 27, we read the last words, and so it was that all who were brought safely to land. And this was after the chapter given over completely to Paul's shipwreck in the Mediterranean, and it was after 14 days and nights of being driven by the wind, tossed back and forth, the ship threatening to break up. And then we open this chapter with the words, when we were brought safely through. Malta was where they were shipwrecked. They didn't know that last week. They saw a sandy cove, but they couldn't identify the land. These men had passed through these places. They would hopefully recognize they couldn't at the point but now they have. Malta is an island about 18 miles long, about 8 miles wide, about 58 miles south of Sicily, and 180 miles north and east of the African coast. With that, you should say, I know exactly where that is. (laughs) If you don't know where that is or you've never heard of Malta, it is worth a Google, if just for the pictures. Uh, The place is beautiful. The weather's almost perfect the whole year. It doesn't rain, but just enough. It's not that expensive. The food is delicious, and the water is beyond description. I, after looking it up myself, put it on my list, places I want to see before I croak. (laughs) It would be a great place to go. 
And when Paul is talking about this, or Luke is talking about Paul, um, that is, is then. What I describe to you is now. There's a big difference between wasness and isness. Um, but we're studying Acts 28. So if we jump back in that first verse, after we were brought safely through, we learned the island was called Malta. Uh, look at the, 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 the greeting they received. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and was cold. So this is a perfect setting. Luke is great with the way he, he gives us enough information in our mind, at least to paint the picture, to hang on. Uh, in 218 B.C., Malta was captured by Romans, uh, but allowed a large measure of local autonomy, as they did in some places, as long as they recognized an establishment of a Roman governor. We're, we're going to put someone in charge, and as long as you understand he's in charge, well, then we'll let you do about whatever you want to do. Um, he's called the chief man of the island, and there's actually uh, historical records of the numbers having to do with Roman law where these things are put into place. Also referred to as the first man of the island, your translation may differ. Uh, call him a big-time operator. The only thing that matters is if they know he's in charge and Rome is able to put him in charge. Otherwise, everything is run smoothly. Rome also settled a number of army veterans and their families on Malta. Keep an eye on things. It's the same with Crete. A few weeks when we're studying Titus, we'll hear the same thing. But uh, when Luke refers to these folks as islanders, if you have that translation, as um, natives, if you have an ESV, or as barbarians, if you have, I think, the King James... Try to color it up with that in mind, that there's Roman veterans here. Uh, these people are very kind. And then add to that the historical uh, notation that they were known for their wealth and their residential architecture. Really nice houses. So dismiss from your mind any notion that these are savages. These are, th these are educated people see a need and are there to take care of it. Um, built a fire for Paul and his shipwrecked companions. The reason being, Luke tells us, it was rainy and it was cold. I'd rather be warm than cold. Cold is all right, but wet and cold is bad. And they seeing this, light this fire. Now, again, in your mind, these are not savages, and don't forget there's 276 of them. I had forgotten that. Shame on me for being too small in my imagination. But if, if you're taking a walk, say you've got your dog with you. It's cool. It's rainy. It's November. You're enjoying an empty beach for once. And these people start washing ashore. And they keep coming. And they keep coming. And they keep coming. 276 of them in total. That requires a big bonfire, wouldn't you say? And you can see where Paul is helping gather some of the wood, driftwood, whatever they can find in order to make it a bigger and better bonfire. And if your wood is wet, what do you need to do before you throw it in the fire? 
Well, you put it near the fire. Hopefully it'll dry out a bit. You stack your extra there and you hope you don't run out. Because the worst thing would be like you watch some of these survivor shows where they like lose their fire lighting mechanism and they're out there in the rain with some dumb bow drill trying to get it to work. It's not going to work. Well, Paul's ensuring that it doesn't work or doesn't end or die. And about this point, the story gets really interesting. There's a snake. This is for all the 8 to 10-year-old boys who suffer through long sermons with nothing to imagine. There's a snake in this story. And it's not just a snake, it's a viper, the ones with the triangular heads and the fangs that can kill people. Now, in the commentaries, especially in less preached through passages like this, you're going to find a lot of repetition. And one thing you're going to find in all the commentaries is uh, the remark that some skeptics want to throw in, that there are no poisonous snakes or snakes, period, on the island of Malta today, which is kind of a dumb thing to say, wouldn't you? I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist, a rocket surgeon. I've heard in both of those. I think it's a mixed up of brain surgeon and rocket scientist, and it's a rocket surgeon. Anyway, that's for free. Uh, Right now, that island is about as densely populated as you can get because it's a great place. And people don't like snakes. And though snakes can kill people, most of the time it's people killing snakes. So how long is it going to take to make sure that there's no snakes on that island? Not very long. That's why there's no snakes. Same as Ireland. It has no snakes. It used to, but it doesn't now. So this snake that used to be there and was a viper and poisonous, kind of like some situations you may have seen, you may have heard this last winter that it got unseasonably cold in Florida where... People for a long time have been releasing their iguanas after the parents decide we don't want to take care of this dumb thing we bought our kid we shouldn't have. And they survive there and they get big. But it got really cold and they started falling out of trees. They weren't dead. They looked dead. People were like kicking them to the side and then they might run off once the sun gets up and they get warm. So if it's cold, it's November, it's rainy and it's wet, this snake probably gets mistaken just wrapped up in wood they're picking up. And as you set it near the fire, it warms up enough to start moving again. I learned this as a kid. I might have been uh, 12. My brother might have been 9. We'd been down at the beach fishing in the dark. It was October, but it was cool that night. And I had one of those uh, Coleman pump lanterns. You remember those? You put the white gas in it, and you pump the thing up till it's about to explode. And then you got to put the little mantles on there and and hold your breath while you light them because if they fall apart, they turn into dust and it doesn't work. But if you do it right, it's this bright light. And we're walking back to my grandfather's house and my brother pushes me out of the way without a word. And I realize I just about stepped on the fattest copperhead I've ever seen. And what do you do when you're carrying back fishing gear and a lantern and you're almost home and you almost step on a snake? You put everything down but your longest fishing rod and you start poking it. (laughs) Right? And found out that it's about as stiff as a a chili willy in the freezer right about the time it's perfect. Not frozen hard, but, but mostly frozen. 
this snake was mostly frozen. And he would move, but it was like not even a contest. Almost actually felt a tad bit bad for killing it that way. But, I mean, what do you do? Your boys, it's a copperhead. You want to at least show it off, and you're not going to handle it. It was on the road probably because the road is still warm. And he wound up in the wrong hands. Um, But this is what happens. And this story, Paul is bitten by this snake. And the, the situation does not go unnoticed by the residents. And you might imagine the conversation as this happens. They're like, talk about bad luck. The guy survives a shipwreck. And then to get bitten by a snake. Poor guy. Somebody else says, no, poor about it. He's probably a murderer. He had it coming. Maybe he needed it. And if you notice, probably in your translation, the word justice, at least in the ESV, is capitalized. That's a Greek deity. Nemesis was another name for her. You ever heard of that? So-and-so is my nemesis. Well, they're trying to keep you honest. And nemesis was for the purpose of making sure everybody got what was coming to them. They think that's what's happening. So they sit and they wait. Maybe they have popcorn or beef jerky. They're waiting for him. I'd laughed at this when I saw it. Swell up or fall over dead. That's what they're waiting on. And I'm thinking, you know, swell up like uh, Violet from Willy Wonka when she stole the gum and ate it she wasn't supposed to have. But, but to think about it, it's kind of cruel, but they're superstitious and they're watching. He doesn't do either. He shakes it off into the fire. And that's another thing that the skeptics will say. Vipers always release or let go after they bite their prey and they'll watch and then they'll go eat it. So it fastening on and holding that way is, is not accurate. It sounds made up. I've known of people who got bitten on their boot and the fangs get stuck in the boot. And if you've ever seen a skeleton in science class, you know, there's all those little tiny bones in your hand. There's not a lot of space between those. It's possible that a fang could get stuck between those plates in your hand bones enough to have to shake him off. Needless to say, um, it's a dramatic picture, but they're saying he's cursed. What do we do? He's escaped from the sea. Justice won't let him live. And when they'd waited a long time, so no misfortune, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. And uh, Luke uses the little g there in our translations. From the Greek, it's, it's, it's almost certain that Luke is using a little bit of tongue-in-cheek humor here at their reversal. Oh, he's a dead man. Nope, change my mind, he must be a god. You ever know anybody that was that way? That They're usually the first to say, oh, I know exactly what's going on here. And then as soon as it's shown not to be anything at all, they're like, oh, yeah, well, we knew it would. <laughs> While there's other people that are quiet the whole time, and they're the ones smirking at the other ones. Usually happens at you know family gatherings or something. I remember my grandfather was given a present. He got there late, so we're all staring at him while he opens it. And he thought, based on what he got the year before, he was going to get the... The other part that goes with it, he shook it. It was heavy. He just knew it was. It was six jars of jelly. 
We didn't know it till we saw it. And even us was like, oh, goodness, this, this is not right. But, oh, I, I, I knew it was jelly. Like, None of us knew it was jelly, but Dad gave it to you. But there's that kind of people. This is the same thing. Oh, he's going to die. Well, no, he's not. Okay. We've had fun with this. What do we do with it? Why is this story here? And there's a little bit more. We probably should finish before we try to... What do we do with it? At least finish out the episode. The episode ends at verse 10 because at verse 11, after three months, we set sail. So there's, there's time here. And if you notice there, verse 11, three months. There's 90 days worth of time in this first episode. Paul and the this, this shipwrecked sailors and prisoners are stuck there for the winter. Let's finish it up. Verse 7. Now in the neighborhood of the place, so not far from the bonfire, there were lands belonging, here we have it, chief man of the island. He's got the name that I wouldn't want any kindergartner to have. uh, Who received us and entertained us hospitably. Three days happened that his father was sick with fever and dysentery. Luke was a doctor. Seems he's making this diagnosis. And uh, Paul visits, prays with, puts hands on, and heals the man. The rest of the people find out he does the same for them. Then the last verse, end of this episode, they honored us greatly when we were about to set sail. They put on board whatever we needed. So if you're boiling it down, you've got the snake-bitten incident and then the governor's sick father incident. Those are basically the two components of, of this paragraph. Um, there are historical records that seem to indicate that in the 1800s, a vaccine for Maltese fever was uh, created or discovered or found, put together, however they make vaccines. This was a long, common Mediterranean problem in uh, places like Malta, Gibraltar, some of these islands. And would you know it? They trace it back to Maltese goat milk. So if you put that on your calendar, I want to go to Malta. Don't have the goat milk. There's a vaccine for it, but save yourself the trouble. It was four months at a time of symptoms. Then it would go away as if it were gone, and it would come back later, not unlike uh, malaria. So after word gets out, Paul the Apostle And Luke, the doctor, have all the opportunity to minister to the whole island, and they have 90 days to do it. But that's all Luke tells us. So that part of the story is even quicker to get through than the other. So if we're going to assign a transition from wasness to isness here, ask ourselves the question, what is in this for me? What do I do about it? Uh, Recognizing that... Standing here, looking at Acts 28, there's only 2,000 years of history and 5,000 miles of geography to separate us, not to speak of a culture we probably don't understand. So we've got our work cut out for us, but maybe not so much. Maybe it's nothing more difficult than just noting the similarities because some things never change. There's some things about human nature that's the same for all of us. How about where we started with? Verse 2, the native people showed us unusual kindness, kindling the fire and welcoming us because they were suffering. It's 
cold and they're wet. Um, don't you all like a good story like that? If you were to uh, look at some of this stuff online, you know, these little videos, it used to be that people would go online to look at movies. And then they would go online to look at shows. And then they'd go online to look at videos. And now they go online to look at shorts. Because we'd rather look at about, I don't know, 100 five-second videos than, <laughs> than the opposite of that, right? But there's these very, very, very popular channels where people go and do nice things to strangers. And people eat it up. Millions and millions of subscribers. And they're making millions and millions worth of dollars off of ads for these little videos. But doesn't it warm your heart? And would it make you mad to find out that what warms your heart is scripted and made up? Maybe some of them are real. But to think about that or to observe it or to watch it, it's always something that tends to make us want to get back in our car or go back to our house or back to whatever we're doing and think, well, at least there's something right going on in the world because there's so many wrong things that are going on. So everyone loves an unusual act of kindness. There's usual acts of kindness between family members and friends and people that are paid to be kind to other people as a form of services or whatever. But this is different. And uh, I think it is a gift of common grace. That's the way the Lord lets us know that the world is not as bad as it could be. So we're shocked and amazed sometimes that people who have nothing coming to them as far as a benefit would do something kind for someone else. That's a good thing. And it's, it's something we see here. But at the same time, there's, there's an ever so slight caution that must go along with unusual kindness whenever we detect it. As Christians, understanding how God created the world and then how he saved the world from sin. How many times have you ever seen a random or un common act of kindness and then went back to what you were doing saying you know what that lovely person really needs Jesus no we usually give them a pass they're nice people they did a nice thing so they need Jesus less than the animals that this world is full of that really need him really bad now the truth is Christ's mother, Mary, needed Jesus to die on the cross the same as any of the rest of us. We all have fallen short of the glory of God, and we need salvation. So the thing to keep in mind, even though this is a very cool story, is that the people of Malta need Jesus like anyone else, just like the people in Corinth. They're bad folks. He was always on top of them. These people seem to naturally be nice. So nice people. That lets the rest of us off the hook. We can relax, right? If we're talking just to nice people. Nice people need Jesus too. Nice won't get you to heaven. Nice will get you noticed. And nice will show the love of God to other people because he's the first nice. Uh, you know, He was nice to us before we ever knew who he was. So let's just keep that in the basket. Let's look at another one. They had superstitious leanings. You know, they're talking about justice. Uh, the nemesis settling the score. Paul had been busted. I think that's also a gift of common grace. 
Because they're not atheists. They at least have an openness to a higher being who can supernaturally regulate the morality of the planet as it exists. That is something to work with. If you notice when Paul rolls into a city, he doesn't slash and burn. I've, I've known outfits that would say, hey, we're going to put up a tent meeting, but for the next three weeks while we wait, we need you to clean house. It's not like Paul said, we've got to get rid of all those Diana figurines. I've got a, a, a revival planned, but not until you clean up. He went to Athens and said, hey, I notice you're very religious. And I noticed this altar to an unknown God. Let's talk about that unknown God. I know his name. So he, he didn't poo-poo what was important to them and say, what I have is better. With his hat in his hand, he started where they were, and he took them to a better place. His idea was not, I'm a better person. I'm the chief of sinners. I just have better news. And I'd really like to share with you the better news. It's not my news. It's God's news, the man who made the place. So even this is a common grace gift. I'm, 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 I'm sure of it. Then he goes to the next stage, if you notice. The snake situation's over. These are hurting people. The guy who's the chief man of the island's daddy's sick. Lots of people's daddies are sick. I don't know that anyone in here knows anyone who knows anyone who doesn't know someone who's sick. It's just the way we live. It's the curse of sin. We know where it all comes from. But the world doesn't have to be convinced that something's wrong and, and we hurt. Others on the island were too. Um, we've got hospitals. They didn't, but they've got Dr. Luke. So unusual acts of kindness, superstitious leanings, hurting people... And then you have this, out of nowhere, a not everyday and certainly not commonplace event. Even snakes are commonplace, but healings miraculously are not. So you have a bona fide miracle right here. Even though Luke is a doctor and could diagnose the problem, uh, without the vaccine, this requires a miracle. And when we find miracles in the Bible, it's always the same thing. It's God's business. If someone does that, he's been given power by God to do it. He gave the world natural laws, and he placed us in there subject to those natural laws. So we look at things as naturally speaking, but God doesn't or isn't bound by those laws he created. Anytime he wants to show us the supernatural, he can do so, and he does so here. Does he still do that? I think he does. Does he do it the same way that he did in the Bible? If he wants to. Uh, anytime in the Bible that we do see signs or miracles, it's always pointing to his goodness and grace. And when Jesus was using them, it was commensurate with his teaching. Uh, there's, there's not just teaching and no service or care and compassion or miracles that they're together. And the same was with, with Paul. So... Kindness, superstition, sickness, healing. But there's one thing missing from this story. I don't think it's missing. It's just not, it's just not said. And that would be the gospel of grace. This is one of those situations where Luke does not tell us explicitly that Paul preached anything. It's not the only time. There's plenty of island hopping 
points of interest that Luke would give us in rapid succession in his itinerary mode. And when he's in itinerary mode, he's very brief. So he doesn't tell us all that happened. But you know if there's a layover, the pattern is already firmly in place. Paul would say elsewhere, Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. I have to be preaching the gospel. So he's going to be preaching. There's there's no doubt about it. But Luke doesn't record it here. But if, if you were to just add up what could serve as a open door for the gospel of grace, he starts out with some kind-hearted people. So it's not like they started shooting arrows at them. Um, you know, some other kind of crazy movie. It's, it's not like they lit the fire to eat them. There were cannibals. Not here. They start with kindness Then there's this superstition. So they're open to the idea that there's someone in charge besides them. Where does he connect with them? Where they hurt? Where each of us do, right? Have a prayer meeting. Any prayer requests? Raise your hand. Someone raises their hand. 99 out of 100 times is going to be for someone who's sick or hurting. I have this need. So he heals them. Miracle style. I think he has their attention. The only thing left is to give them the gospel. And he can give them the gospel one at a time as they come in for healing. You ever seen those ads for mercy ships? You know, I thought about this. That mercy ship got obliterated on the reef. But Dr. Luke and Evangelist Paul show up. And these mercy ships, you ever seen the the shows? They, They bring people onto the ship blind with cataracts. And within hours, they walk off able to see. Is there any more an open door for the gospel than having given someone a tangible cure to their biggest problem? And then to tell them, all I've done is able, enable you to see here and now. But, you know, there is a judgment when this life is over and the body you have wears out. Absolutely, Paul preaches the gospel. And he's got 90 days to do it. So if we're adding all this up and asking ourselves, well, what are we supposed to do with this? Well, we've got a fine example. He told us in Galatians 6, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's everybody. So I'm seeing here, not just in Paul and not just in this chapter, but the rest of the book of Acts, and go even further back than that in the Gospels when it was Jesus and he was performing miracles always mixed his gospel with grace. He's always giving and serving when he's telling them the truth. I think that's our take-home for today. Even when you find yourself in a weird situation, um, we don't get bitten by snakes every day. We don't get shipwrecked every day. But it was nonetheless an opportunity. It's the way God set it up for his... Witness to walk through the door. This chapter is no different than any of the other chapters in the book of Acts. It's the same thing. God has given them the gospel. They are giving the gospel. The word is going out, and God is bringing people in. The family of God is getting bigger. That's Acts from chapter 1 to chapter 28, and this paragraph is no different. So... Whatever you do this week, whatever you do this afternoon, whatever you do for the rest of your life as a Christian who knows the truth, uh, 
Uh, mix your gospel with grace. When you see kindness, thank the Lord for it. But know that those people need Jesus. When you see superstition, don't tell them. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, even though you know it's, it's not valid. But use that as an on-ramp to talk about, well, let me, let me tell you this story. Start in Genesis. Work your way to the cross. It might be the very on-ramp that the Lord is looking for. Hurting people. My goodness. I'm trying to remember exactly the way I heard it. It, was, it, it flabbergasted me. I've, I've never forgotten it. Maybe just ex- exact words, but something to the tune. People really don't care who you are or what you've done until they've seen your pain. That's where they'll relate to you. That's where they'll be normal. That's where they'll be human. And that's where you'll connect. But if you're Superman, you don't have any problems, all your toilets are clean. You know, like Facebook land, where all the bathrooms have just been remodeled. And the storage area has just been you know, redone with all color-coordinated baskets and everything. Now, if you take the camera down just a bit, you see all the mud on the floor from the kids and maybe their toys, and one of them's probably crying in the background. You know, normal land. People don't care about all that other stuff until they've seen your hurt. If you'll be transparent with them, you've got a connection. And then when it comes to the miracles... That's God's business. And the biggest miracle of all is someone going from lost to saved. Someone who's turned in on themselves. That's what life's all about too. No, I'll worship the God who created me and tell other people about him as long as I'm on the planet. That is a miracle. We, we, we don't bring that to the table. He'll have to do it. And then if it starts getting traction, you shouldn't be surprised if people come from far and wide to get some for themselves. It's a wonderful story. You can start uh, this afternoon. Probably going to eat somewhere, right? Someone's probably going to be serving you your food. You can throw a monkey wrench into the, the, uh, the well-known fact that the Sunday after church crowd is the worst crowd to put up with as far as serving staff are concerned. It's a bad, horrible reputation, but it... It's God's children's reputation. You have no idea where those people have been. You have no idea how they hurt. You have no idea if they've got enough money. You have no idea if they're picking up their kids in another town every other week. You don't know these things. But you know what they need. They need what you've got. So don't get in the way being your sinful self, right? Mix your gospel with your grace. Be long-suffering. Be kind, even unusually kind. Be gracious. Tip them generously. Decide in your head that service is not how you're going to tip. You're going to tip like God gives his son. Right? Now, don't break the bank. Um, Don't come to the church. I gave all my money away because you said so. Now I can't pay my water bill. You'll have to use your judgment. All right? But just consider the situation you might find a stranger in. 
And then maybe, just maybe, you'll be fortunate enough to be used of God and maybe just planting a seed, maybe watering a seed. He'll be faithful to bring the harvest and he alone gets the glory. And maybe from something as weird as a chapter in Acts 28, maybe one day when you least expect it, on the weird day nobody would believe unless you told them exactly how it came to be. And then we get to heaven and found out the original weirdo was God himself. Patterns are things that we get comfortable with. So he shakes things up in order to get places and people where they need to be for him to be big and us to be small. That'd be just like him. Let's bow in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for Acts 28, 1 through 10, story about a snake and somebody's sick father. Lord, would you make us more like Paul, even Luke? But keep us ourselves. You made us who we are on purpose. Just make us more useful and more faithful, more caring and kind and considerate, more patient, more loving, less self-absorbed, And Lord, may you see fit to spread the seed of the gospel through our lives, actions, words, even the expression on our face. And Lord, would it be something that broadens your kingdom, glorifies you. Lord, we've had enough for today to be obedient, an actionable item. Lord, would you be good? May we be faithful. We ask this in your precious name. Amen.